Hey guys, Coach Kun here. So to the few and far between listening to this ramble or rant, as my elders like to say, for those who don't understand what it is to have an audio journal and to inscribe your experience onto a tape as such, welcome. Hello to everyone who struggled a bit this year. Hello to everyone who struggled a bit for most of their life. Hello to everyone who's had their life peppered with pain and had to deal with that and grow beyond the pain itself and find purpose and passion in projects outside of themselves. This is self-sabotage part two. And it's not going to be necessarily glossing over what we discussed in the last episode, but today is just going to hopefully sufficiently cover my take on this provocative topic. So self-sabotage I introduced as negative self-talk. I introduced it as a fruit of that tainted seed in the last episode. And today I'm going to talk about beyond negative self-talk, self-worth, validation, trials for approval, tribulations, and ultimately Oppression Olympics. So in my short lifespan, I've come to understand that everyone believes they have a unique experience of the world to which they don't. Everyone believes their pain is more prominent or prevalent and their passion is more profound and their purpose is more powerful. Well, the truth is that is not the case. It's never been the case. Your pain and my pain are just the same. They're just pain. Whether your receptors are through the lens of a poverty-stricken background and mine is a perceived bed of roses, the concept remains the same. We both experience pain and pleasure, and these levers pull on our life strings as we move in the direction to which life is taking us. Now, as you charter your course through conversation with different people, you stumble across prejudice and stereotype and I've been lucky or unlucky enough to have been steeped deep in stereotypes and prejudice to which I've had to confront head on. So there's that prejudice of being a rich kid. There's that stereotype of being soft, of being laid in luxuries, of being bathed in opulence, of being robbed of all struggle for life. But that's not the truth. I think you'll find many people who live that lifestyle of high class or high flight membership in society have deep issues is why you find people from high class families kill themselves more than people of the opposite end of the spectrum i think is why you find people with more time to themselves resent themselves because they realize they're living lives which weren't designed for them which weren't picked by them they're living lives which aren't them they're becoming persons or at least wearing the costumes of avatars who were picked for them at birth you were sent to this school to do this task, to get this paper, to then move on to this job, to then move into this society, to then move into this car, this job, this house, this flat, this farm, and so on and so forth. And so you find there's a prescriptive nature within which we live life for those of us on the opposite end of the spectrum as compared to poverty. Now, with that being said, my experience of life has been very interesting because it's been colored in kind with critique with condemnation, with resolution, 
with conflict. And I have been able, in many aspects, to get myself to a point where I am the one Sorry. <laughs> As I was saying, where I am one. Yo, I need to regather my thoughts. Apologies. <laughs> so I was talking about condemnation and some of the challenges you face being in a high flight membership of society. And as it pertains to coming into conflict, coming into contact, coming into contrast with the characters and the characteristics ascribed to you because of your creed, I, for one, have been personally endowed that experience. And it has deeply impacted the way in which I view the world. I think from these sensations of pain and supposed suffering, depending on how far you stretch that definition, I've come to find myself as an artist, a struggling artist, a talent with no field to plow, a, an artist who is starving for that validation and who is trying to appeal for a certificate of approval by society, by family, by friends. And, you know, you might ask, Kunuli, what are you saying? Kunuli, I'm, I'm struggling to get what your, your point is here. The point I'm trying to drive here precisely is that there are those of us who are yoked by life and unable to taste the fruit of freedom because of privilege. And I think that leads in of itself, as I referenced before, to the self-sabotaging behaviors or to the coping mechanisms for that trauma. It's why you find artists, people who get to the top of the mountain, and uh, seeing life from the peak, want that announcement and that approval and that applause from the audience, but it still doesn't suffice for the voice inside. And what they substitute that voice inside, which is lacking for that little boy or little girl from a very young age, is substance abuse. So outside of substance abuse, there is lust, so pornography or even an overindulgence in sexual relations, whether it be with that of your own sex or the opposite sex, or whatever the case may be, just perverting your profile in terms of engagement with people in that physical domain. And this is a story common to us all. It is not just uncommon for rich people. It's like, oh, he's rich. Why must he suffer after his life is going so well? It doesn't even make sense. It's like, no. People are steeped in struggle and strife and story and they are all trying to venture out into a realm of value and to reach and grab hold of some sense of normalcy, of some sense of normality, of some sense of stability. And this is something we struggle with, particularly in this generation of youth. Gen Z, we've come to a point where we realize a lot of these systems we adopted at birth 
or that adopted us don't serve us. These systems don't serve a higher good. These systems don't serve a God that would be pleased with the goodness inside of us. These systems serve an economic front. These systems serve as machines to continue to print out carbon copies of individuals that lack taste, that lack life, that lack color, that lack substance. And why we have this misperception that when one has money, one has all the solutions to all the problems ever in the world. And that's not the true definition of a solution. A true definition of a solution would be the address, acknowledgement, and acceptance of the problem. And the problem being their personal issues, dilemma, problems that people are plagued with that cannot be solved externally, but need to be solved internally. And oftentimes people with the means to solve said problems superficially are unable to resolve the conflicts within themselves intrinsically because they either lack the skill set, they lack the intelligence, or for the most part, they just lack the awareness of the conflict going in within themselves. And that's why you find people so haphazardly going through life and so tentative about their trauma. Is because once they start to dig, they don't know how deep the hole will get. And so now, I want to bring all of this back to me and my self-sabotage story. So, in the last episode, I prefaced negative self-talk and the importance of a positive self-talk. The reason why a positive self-talk is important is because motivation won't always get you through with your tasks that you have set for yourself. Motivation will always get you through life. Sometimes life is tough, life is rough, and you need balls, you need courage, you need something else, something extra to push you through, to get that gusto out of you. And yes, as I mentioned before, it's not that, oh, because you sleep on a bed of roses, my life is harder than yours, so how can you try and motivate me on issues you've never faced? But the truth is, life is a matter of perspective, and the way you view the world is your world. So you would never know the problems and perils that I'm faced with in my life because you've never stepped to climb up the mountain to see how hard the wind blows when you're climbing to its peak. You would never know the pressure cooker of environment or environments I've been into to be perfect. You would never know the temperatures of rooms I've been in to bite my tongue when things are obviously wrong, but protocol is safeguarded by culture, traditions, and custom. You would never know that. But because of what you see superficially, and you don't choose to feel me, you don't choose to engage with me, you don't choose to see beyond what you've heard, you don't choose to experience me for yourself, you will lack that depth, that breadth of understanding. And this is the point I'm trying to drive. There's a lot of us who are going through self-sabotage. There's a lot of us who are destroying ourselves and destroying our lives. There's a lot of us with harmful, painful, dark thoughts There's a lot of us going through some serious shit right now. And we're not oftentimes practical or positive or even peaceful in providing solutions for our friends, even for our foes. We don't. And that's because, like I mentioned before, we fail to address the issues within ourselves. So if we cannot heal ourselves, how do we expect to heal others? How do you expect a doctor who's failed to operate on a small wound to then perform surgery 
on a wound that has festered over the years. You've never put a plaster on yourself, but yet you want to address me medically and stitch me up together and sew me shut with your solutions which have never been tried, never been tested, haven't been approved by life, by experience, by anything. They're weightless. And so I'm putting that there just before I get into more of the topic as far as real things and real stories that happen. So in my adolescent years, which I just came out of recently, I struggled a lot with the way I saw myself. And in episode before, I mentioned how I saw myself based off the approval, the applause, and the adulation I was given. And issue with seeing yourself by the praise is you die by the condemnation, the booze, the lamentation. You know, for every cheer, there's a jeer. For every congratulation, there's a commiseration. For every positive outcome, there's a negative aspect to which it can be critiqued. And for me, the oftentimes the last straw that broke the camel's back, the proverbial camel being me, was room for improvement. I grew up in a place where everything I did could always be improved. And it wasn't that improvement in of itself wasn't true. It's that my achievements, accomplishments, projects, endeavors were only viewed through the prism by which they could have been improved as opposed to appreciated for what they had been, for what they are, for the journey I had gone on, for the discovery, the inquiry into self, or even better yet, the end goal from nothingness. We went from zero to one, but at that one, no, it could have been 1.1 or 1.2. And this, in large part, has been the flood of voices in my head guiding me, supposedly, through my life. And that's with my academic career, my sport career, my co-curricular, my petitions, my podcast, my YouTube channel. You know, and we do do things for validation. I think there's a brutal honesty we have to have when addressing the fact that, yes, being appreciated or more importantly, being seen, being understood, being heard is crucial to our life story. We are social beings. So it's not that everything we do is so that we can feel better about ourselves, but we do feel better about ourselves, not only by the results, but also by the extra things that come along with the results, the appreciation, the adoration, even just the acknowledgement. And I think a lot of people are starved of that positive attention, particularly young men. And I'm going to speak for myself because I'm not trying to be an ambassador for everyone. And I can never be. I could never claim to be that because I believe everyone is divinely designed and unique. And so to speak to an experience I haven't had personally would not only be unjustified, but also be just stupid. Because why would I talk about something I don't know? But anyway, moving on. Self-sabotage is something that I see a lot in my family, I see a lot in my friends, I see a lot in my generation. Whether it's with smoking, drinking, as I mentioned before, overindulgence in sex. These are things we do to cope with the traumas we have ignored and 
these wounds which we've allowed to fester, as I mentioned before, unfortunately, take lives of their own. They become personalities and grow on occasion into demons, into negative forces that dominate certain spheres of our life. And you find you get trapped in this hole that's ever growing into a larger abyss because the more negative energy you store, the more it builds up. And this storage, which fills up past capacity, ends up overflowing into the vast vacuum of a vessel that your body is. And you start wondering why you're operating off a negative frequency. You start wondering why some of your thoughts are colored the way they are. You start wondering why there is a lack of self-worth or a disregard for self in with respect to others and how you treat yourself. And these are things that I have personally had to face, and particularly this year, where life has really had to deal with me. We have a lot of conversations around humility, and in Africa, particularly in Zambia, from the eldest to the youngest, we have a famous phrase, humble yourself. And it's very funny because you oftentimes hear this from people who've never been humble in approaching you, or never been known to humble, never exhibited signs of humility themselves, but will point towards your need for such behavior. And life has humbled a lot of us, I think, through COVID and just through conversations and cataloging the canon of current culture. A lot of us are going through dramatic changes with regards to who we are. And that perception has to do a lot with the reality of life. Certain things just happen. You cannot rationalize, intellectualize, or psychoanalyze every single issue in your life. At some point, you just have to accept it. You have to address it and perhaps maybe even redress the damage done to you from that same event. Because a lot of trauma will be brought on life coincidentally, quote-unquote. A lot of trauma will be brought into life purposefully. And you find that the people who traumatize you the most are the people closest to you, the people who claim to have that highest level of love for you. So, with regards to self-sabotage, I don't think it's something which is brought on by ourselves. I think it's brought on by the world at large within which we've grown up in. So I think the way to avoid self-sabotage, or at least the way I would avoid self-sabotage with my younger siblings or nephews, nieces, and in future, my own children, would be to have that conversation and just to be real about life. Life isn't fair. Life isn't free. Your life in large part wouldn't be for you, and it's not. We're social beings, so you exist on a relational plane. Thus, everything you do has a consequence on others, whether you can foresee it or not. And it's oftentimes the unforeseen circumstances that cut us down the most because we either weren't uh, perceptive enough to the outside or perceptive enough of ourselves to see the impact of our own actions. But even that, being a judge of yourself is very difficult because I think a lot of us are blinded by supposed goodness because people who are nice to me are my friends, people who are not so nice to me are my enemies. That's not always the case. I think in life you need to choose your enemies wisely and sometimes you find having a good rival or good opposition in life will oftentimes make you better than a weak support structure would. I think having a good villain in your life, a good enemy, a good object of... Uh, opposition will oftentimes be better than you being subject 
to the proposition of weak men or weak women. And this is with regards to emotional support, emotional capital, and investment into you, your projects, and your endeavors. You'll find that a lot of us fight battles by ourselves because of a lack of a support structure. Or, to put it more clearly, a pathetic support structure. To just put it in print. I think a lot of times we cut corners with regards to our positions in people's lives and what we do for them. But there is a lot that can be done. There's a lot more we can be. And there's a lot more that our lives, our persons, our circles, our families and friends can become for us. But that starts with the inward journey towards self. I think you have to deal with that injured inner child, that longing for love, that joust for justice. You know, there's a hunger for a home and a lot of us are missing that because the people we look up to or the people we surround ourselves with don't know who they are they don't see themselves what they mean to us and even when we try to make their position privileged or we try to shroud them with praises and adulation it kind of blinds them from seeing their own shortcomings which is again not helpful for them as well because at some point in life you also have to let people walk the talk But going back in perspective to self-sabotage and my personal problems, uh, I think with everything I'm doing, with becoming a poet, a podcaster, and all these other things, we have this tendency to overshare, at least in the African context, whenever you become fluent in feelings and expressive about your emotions, and you speak on some of the problems which have been prevalent in your life, it's somehow now a sentence to death, or at least a death of the dignity of those who supposedly, you know, work night and day and sacrifice themselves for you and whatever. But anyway, that's besides the point. I think that from my lens of living, self-sabotage in a lot of aspects cannot be avoided. I think... It can be mitigated, I think it can be managed, but I think it's just natural for humans to tend towards negativity. I think it's natural for us to experience trauma and to cause trauma unto others. I think that's the way we learn. I think in as much as pleasure is good to feel, I think there is pleasure from pain. And one of my famous boxing coaches told me to enjoy the pain. Pain from life, pain from trading, pain from hardship, and to get addicted to the pain. Because pain is one of the realest things you'll feel. I think maybe that's why sometimes people enjoy the self-sabotage. That's why we enjoy the smoking, we enjoy the drinking, we enjoy the overindulgence in sex and all these other things. Because we understand on a fundamental level that we're causing ourselves pain. And there's something about that danger that excites us. It's why you see with self-harm, which we're going to talk about in the next episode... How some people relieve themselves by causing pain, even with some people's fantasies or fetishes, is to cause pain unto others or some to have others cause pain unto themselves. Whether it's being pegged, being whipped, being cut, being punched, being slapped, kicked, spanked, spat on, being degraded, humiliated to the most shameful of levels. I think that is the shadow 
in ourselves taking over. That is the monster coming to life. And that is that darker aspect of our identity fully coming into fruition with aspects of ourselves. And I think that it's important to integrate that monster within ourselves, that beast from within with the supposed beauty we try and show ourselves to be. I think it is really important because I think once you know who your beast is and you befriend your beast, I think you can learn to tame your beast and you can put it in its place and you can check it and you can perhaps lock that cage and throw the key away. And once you can fully arrest the idea of who your darker self is, these other things can start to fall off you. The addiction, the smoking, the drinking, the women, the men, the he, she, they, them. It all starts to fade away into the distant past. And I know that for some of you, you would be stuck in a hole right now. For some of you listening, probably the four, the things I've said today would have resonated, but you also be looking at them with a bit of skepticism. You'd be suspect of what I'm saying. I'm not saying I've cured myself sabotage. I'm not saying I'll ever cure it. But I'm saying I can offer maybe a story or a coin from my cash box of life experiences to help you, you know, deposit into yourself. Deposit some positive reinforcement with regards to what you're going through. I think what you're going through is normal. I think what you're going through is justified. Do I think you must continue going down the path you're pursuing? No. But do I understand and resonate with how difficult it is to get off a slippery slope? Absolutely. I understand the snowball effect. I understand doing things bit by bit. I also have an addictive personality, so I know when I like something, I go all the way. It's very rare that I like something and I'm able to moderate myself and that has been part of my problem with self-sabotage whether it's with food whether it's with interactions whether it's with substances or anything i've experienced in my life the things i don't like i don't do the things i do like i overdo and obsess over and it's scary because sometimes you lose yourself in the activity or you lose yourself in the throw and you lose that innocence you lose that wonder about yourself because now you become a slave to that substance, that addiction, that outside outlet from yourself, you now become subject to the demands of these unfair masters who don't have your best uh, interest at heart. And I'm speaking of our addictions metaphorically as being people. I'm anthropomorphizing them, whether it's smoking or drinking or ETC. And so, yeah, I do think self-sabotage is a difficult conversation to have. I think it's a real conversation to have with regards to yourself, how you see yourself, and what you do for yourself, do by yourself, is extremely important, you know. I think it's probably one of the leading causes of death, self-sabotage, but coming from the frame of a negative self-talk. And I've gone a bit more in depth in this episode today. But we'll expand this conversation across this series. So I think we're going to punctuate this point here. And leave you guys with something to think about until next time. So we're going to talk about self-harm. 
and we're going to see if I can bring someone else with some insights into it. So for those of you listening, please send me a voice note if you can on the app. Let me know what you think. The feedback is much appreciated. But beyond that, I'd like to involve you in the creative process and involve you in this healing process of mine in this journey. Because I know this journey is not my own. It's why I started publicizing my healing journey. It's because in as much as it's important for me to speak to myself and have a record of my sayings, I do appreciate and realize that one person's pain can become another person's uh, rescue. And if this is the snorkel, if this is the oxygen tank, if this is the rope to save you from that deep, dark hole, that fiery pit of hell, please use it, please take it, please share it. And please allow yourselves to fall into these conversations, just as I have, and to flow freely with it. There is no end point, but there is better. And you can be better than you were yesterday, last year, yesteryear, whenever the case is. With that being said, culture going out. I hope you have taken some of these things to heart and I hope that I've seed hopeful I'd seed sorry. I've sowed hopeful seeds into your story. Culture going out and good night.